From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, 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 Herbs and Spices. It is episode 46 of Free and Inspired Radio. Thanks for joining us for another week. If you're new to the show, thanks once again for taking a a jump to a new podcast and seeing whether or not we can delve deeper into holistic solutions available for your digestive and mental health. In this episode, we're taking a deeper dive into vitamin D, and we all know it's for bone health, but what about IBS, depression, sleep, and protection from viral infections? Well, in this episode, I'll cover everything that you need to know, so let's get started, shall we? Vitamin D deficiency is highly prevalent in Hong Kong and just everywhere, really. Uh, I know that sounds a bit dramatic, but so much so that it's actually in Hong Kong, specifically at my clinic, it's more of a surprise when my patient's blood tests return showing sufficiency. So when I get a positive result or people have enough vitamin D, I'm actually more surprised. There are a few reasons for this that we're going to cover in this episode. One of the main reasons vitamin D is so important is the variety of functions it performs in the body. A key controversy that illustrates how much vitamin D does is in the body is its classification. Some researchers have called it a hormone because our skin and liver transform sunlight into a form of vitamin D that acts much like a hormone. Others suggest that it is a fat-soluble vitamin that regardless of its variety of actions in the body is still a vitamin, mainly because insufficient amounts can cause deficiency symptoms. So they can't even agree on what it is, but I would go with a vitamin, <laughs> if you want my opinion, which I guess you do because that's why you're here. Regardless of which camp you sit in, in Hong Kong, mainly due to the climate, estimates are between 60 to 70% of residents are still deficient in vitamin D. And if you're listening to this from Singapore, which I know a lot of people are, uh, this may actually be very similar for you because of that climate, right? It's very humid. Don't necessarily spend as much time outside as you might want to. This differs between age groups as well. So still the message is that the, this vitamin that moonlights as a hormone is an uncomfortably familiar issue as far as the deficiencies are concerned. Vitamin D inadequacy links to higher levels of diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular diseases, certain cancers, and autoimmune and inflammatory diseases, making this prevalence very important or the prevalence of deficiency very important. So I'm just going to read that back to you, right? Vitamin D insufficiency or inadequacy links to the following, diabetes, hypertension, 
cardiovascular diseases, certain cancers, and autoimmune and inflammatory diseases. That's quite a list, right? So vitamin D, as we know, is essential in maintaining bone health and preventing osteoporosis. Now, whilst the connection between vitamin D and calcium is well known, studies on its effects in China are small scale. So one study looking to shed light on this, published in 2020, found that patients with hip fractures and osteoporosis had significantly lower vitamin D levels than those without osteoporosis. Insufficiency levels were once again as high as 65%. So you can think of that as 6 or 7 out of 10 people. Now, that's a pretty big percentage of an age group. So it's not 6 out of 10 of everyone, but 6 out of 10 of a particular age group, I would say maybe women over 50 or over 60, would be low in vitamin D, and that's a big, big deal. So once again, it's common that knowledge that vitamin D is vital for for both uh, for bone health, but what about its other functions? Now let's start with one of our focused gut brain conditions here, and you know that we love that on Free and Inspired Radio. So let's talk about IBS because this can be a big surprise to my patients as well. So, admittedly, the connection between vitamin D and IBS is not the first thing that we think about. However, it is essential, and let's look at why. Vitamin D is a vital part of the immune component of the digestive system. Whilst we'll cover other significant contributions of the vitamin D to the immune system later in the show, what you will see, I hope, is a consistent function. And that function is that vitamin D can be anti-inflammatory when inflammation is present and can suppress inflammation when it's not. So I'll just repeat that. Vitamin D can be anti-inflammatory when inflammation is present and can suppress inflammation or the origin of it when it is not. So that's a fairly important part of a lot of these chronic diseases that we were looking at before, right? An excellent example of this is the role of managing the immune response in the digestive system. Vitamin D does this in a few ways, but one of the more interesting is the interaction between vitamin D and your microbiome. For example, one study published in 2016 found that vitamin D supplementation changed the balance of bacteria in the stomach and the small intestine. Repeat that again. One study in 2016 found that vitamin D supplementation changed the balance of bacteria in the stomach and the small intestine. A feature of this study was finding lower levels of Pseudomonas species and Escheria and Shigella species of bacteria, both of which are considered pro-inflammatory. So vitamin D also works in the lining of the GI tract, and it does so by triggering antimicrobial immune cells when undesirable gram-negative bacteria, so that's just a type of bacteria, uh, release their toxic byproducts, which are lipopolysaccharides. And if you want to know more about lipopolysaccharides, check out the episode just before this last week where we talk about these toxic byproducts and how they affect the brain, which is a little bit alarming. So this antimicrobial action makes vitamin D one of the critical nutrients to protect the bacterial environment in your gut, which is nuts. Why is this important? Uh, Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is seen between 30 to 70% of IBS cases depending on the age group. Another vital function of vitamin D in the immune component of the digestive system is its contribution to the integrity of the gut lining. This gut lining is the same lining that can become leaky 
and become the leaky part of leaky gut. So there you go, that famous term. One study in the British Medical Journal concluded that vitamin D status is important to monitoring all people with chronic disease. This new focus is not only because of the broader symptoms of vitamin deficiency, but also the increased prevalence of leaky gut in patients admitted to hospitals with insufficient vitamin D levels. Now, if you've listened to the episode on leaky gut, you will know that whilst a lot of conditions are associated with it, i.e. higher amounts of people with these conditions have leaky gut, you will also know that there is yet to be enough research confirming that correcting a leaky gut goes on to help the conditions with which it's associated. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, of course, that it won't help and in uh, in any case, but what we see in the clinic is undoubtedly positive um, in most of our outcomes. Still, we're waiting for some of that science to help us validate our ideas about how kind of working on someone's digestive lining and fixing those leaks in the gut make a difference. What vitamin D's contribution does show, though, is that there is an easy-to-test nutrient deficiency in many that could have a positive effect on not only IBS, but also other conditions associated with an immune response in the digestive system. For example, preclinical research, which investigates how relevant something could be before human uh, tests are done, uh, suggests that vitamin D could be essential to treatment for ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. And I actually see that a lot in clinic as well. This suggestion is for two reasons. The first is to protect from the deterioration of bone health when using commonly prescribed corticosteroid drugs and the second is using an abundant vitamin d status to manage the immune responses that causes so much chaos in these inflammatory conditions so once again i asked you to think about this theme or a common consistent theme for vitamin d and that is managing inflammation it does this in so many different ways in ibs the research into how vitamin D may help is a little more advanced, but still mixed. A systemic uh, systemic uh, review, uh, systematic review, excuse me, pulled four placebo-controlled randomized controlled trials uh, that found that vitamin D was superior to a placebo in treating IBS. How's that? This review saw improvements in both symptom severity scores and quality of life scores. So if you are living with IBS, I mean, that's a those two are really big. Hey, improving your symptom severity and improving the quality of your life in that you don't necessarily have to worry about what's going on with your digestion all day. A European journal tested vitamin D in the same conditions though and found no effect. So this is this study is done over 12 weeks with 3,000 IU of vitamin D, suggesting two things. First, the dose was too low to correct the 60% of participants who were found insufficient. That was just personal opinion. And also the dose was too low to be therapeutic. Second, in contrast, it just see, we just need more research, right, to find out whether or not these doses need to be higher. So some contrasting research there, but look, I would say that on the basis of function and getting an idea of exactly how vitamin D pays the bills of the immune system, I think we're looking at some positive stuff. What has come out of the research into functional digestive disorders and vitamin D is its role in positively managing the immune system. No more do we see this than in literally preventing and treating upper respiratory infections like colds and flus. And we're going to delve more into that after the break here on Free and Inspired Radio. We'll be back with more vitamin D after this. 
time to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more free and inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, welcome back to episode 46 of Free and Inspired Radio where we are looking at why vitamin D might be the most important nutrient that you're not taking for your digestion, mental and immune health. We've already covered the digestion, but what about the immune system? Well, I'm going to make a big call here for the second part of the show, and I'm going to say that uh, basically vitamin D may be one of the best cold and flu remedies available. Whilst the research we've looked at into IBS and digestive conditions is positive, it is still mixed. However, the research into vitamin D's role in acute respiratory tract infections used to be positive across the board. And I'm talking for about 10 years, but now it's slightly under question. I wouldn't be doing my job here on Freedance by Radio if I didn't give you a balanced view and say there isn't conjecture in vitamin D's role in colds and flus, especially post-pandemic. But a meta-analysis looking at vitamin D without um, without it seems a placebo control found no overall protection besides some positive uh, benefits in those who supplemented daily. So this is this was actually released only about four months ago, this meta-analysis. Now, more than ever, with the looming risk of new and old variants of viruses, it seems that vitamin D can actually be a, a good essential tool in protecting and treating upper respiratory infections like colds and flus, regardless of the mixed views. So even though there is some negative research out there suggesting that it doesn't do much when compared to a, uh, when compared to a placebo, uh, a meta-analysis published in the British Medical Journal with 11,000 people found that people who were very deficient at the time benefited the most from large doses of vitamin D as well as those who supplemented daily or weekly. Now, as an extension to that study, they actually found that vitamin D also halved the duration and the severity of the colds and flus in those who were deficient as well. So look, that's a big deal because this is where I kind of come up with the whole vitamin D might be the most important cold and flu remedy there is because it's very rare for a nutrient to have that kind of research. Vitamin C doesn't have that kind of research. So really when it comes down to it, vitamin D may be the best thing to make sure that you're both sufficient, you know, have enough of, but also maybe it might be worth supplementing when you have a cold or a flu, not medical advice. Of course, please, people, it's 2022. These mixed results are an excellent example, though, of how research reviews can confuse practitioners and patients. I say confusing for practitioners because up until compiling the research for this episode, I'd read a large quality, a quantity, excuse me, of positive research for vitamin D and upper respiratory tract infections. And it's so frustrating, right? So does it mean it's a waste of time? And the answer is a definite no, it's not a waste of time. Another study released this year looked at another age group where vitamin D is often overlooked, but imperative, and that is infancy. 
This study confirmed that for every 100 international units per day increment in vitamin D supplementation, infants experienced a 21% uh, lower risk of lower respiratory tract infections, so things like bronchitis and pneumonia. This study has the recommended dose for infants at roughly 400 IU a day. So if you as an adult live in a climate like Hong Kong where being outside isn't as common due to the heat and humidity most of the year, there is a good chance you're missing out on an easy way to protect your baby with just one drop of vitamin D a day. Now, I'm not a pediatrician. I do treat children here and there. But as I said, this is more about whether or not you're actually getting different age groups. So not only do we thinking about our older generations here and you know all of us, but we're also thinking about young kids who may not be able to make some of these decisions for themselves. So for my own daughter, we would give her one, just one drop in her milk a day. And look, she's always going to get infections. We want her to get infections, but well, for our immune system, obviously, but then as a small, small baby, if you're not getting enough sun, this can be a real thing and calcium is so important too. So that's just a little side note there. A note about vitamin D and the brain and its role in mental health. So as I said, we will never forget mental health. It's always got brain here on Free and Inspire Radio. So we often see in nutrient-based studies that deficiency is the key driver of most of the issues. For example, zinc, a typical typically deficient mineral in many regions of the world plays a significant role in many biochemical transactions in the body and the brain and if you're curious about zinc you can listen to episode 13 of freedom inspired radio where i go into it a little bit more when the body doesn't receive enough zinc from the diet it then has to choose which transactions it doesn't pay for so deficiencies are important when the body can pay all its bills in contrast at least or can't pay all its bills Excuse me, it leads to problems down the road, as you can imagine. Vitamin D and depression is another good example of this. So, low vitamin D levels are associated with depression. Wow. So, one meta analysis released in 2020, pooling 25 trials, totaling 7,500 participants, so it's quite a big study, found that supplementation of vitamin D at a dose of around 4,000 IU for either eight weeks or beyond reduced negative emotions. So, that's a subjective thing in a sense, but it's positive. This result was primarily for those with insufficient levels at the beginning of the trials, suggesting that deficiency states are involved in some way. There are two reasons that this might be the case. The first is that receptors for vitamin D, so if you're new to receptors, think of receptors as a lock and vitamin D as the key for that specific lock. So vitamin D receptors are heavily located in two brain areas that play a critical role in mood regulation. So if there's not enough, once again, those receptors aren't going to get expressed. So the second is vitamin D's role in managing inflammation. It seems the same anti-inflammatory action that has that vitamin D has in the digestive system also radiates to the brain. Now, if you're interested in inflammation in the brain, hey, last week's episode, I really love putting that one together on neuroinflammation. It's such an interesting topic. Vitamin D could also assist with anxiety symptoms. So an important note is that these studies are either small or not strong enough to make a clinical call just yet. 
However, over six months, there seems to be promise in using vitamin D for anxiety. Another study looking into generalized anxiety disorder found vitamin D supplementation has positive effects on reducing the symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder over three months. An important note is that these participants were under supervision and using extremely high doses of vitamin D over three months. I'm talking 50,000 international units, and I would not recommend you do that unless you are under supervision. That's a very, very high dose, even though you can hear about the, the fact that vitamin D doesn't have that much toxicity at high doses. It's still something I wouldn't recommend you do under your own sovereignty. We are all about your own sovereignty here on Free and Spy Radio, but obviously I think there's a limit, there's a ceiling. That's not all. Vitamin D may also help you with sleep. Vitamin D is also heavily involved in the transactions that build melatonin in our brains to help us sleep. Some studies also theorize that vitamin D may directly contribute to sleep issues. Now, it's crazy to me that we've, we're about 20 minutes into this episode. We've already covered so much, but vitamin D is undoubtedly one of the most effortless nutri- nutrients to test and treat by any healthcare practitioner, no matter where you live. I, where you live. I feel like we've just t- literally just tipped the iceberg here. But not only if you're just looking to protect your bone health, also, as you might have heard in this episode, if you're looking to help your digestion, brain, and immune system, vitamin D may be a very, very low-hanging fruit that you can take charge of simply by getting a blood test, finding out where your levels are at, and taking control of that. It's a quick and easy process, and it may bear a lot of fruit, as I said. So what do you think? Uh, This is, uh, as always, if you want to leave some comments or let me know what you think of the episode and whether or not you felt it was helpful, uh, please let me know in the comments and I will always get back to you. Now, uh, before we finish this episode of Free and Inspire Radio, if you would love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles and new podcast episodes and more, jump over to the website, philipwatkins.health. You can see all the references for these episodes as well as for some of the articles that are written as well. If you prefer to read, you can also join our community by signing up on our email list here and we will send you a free ebook that I've written exclusively for our uh, subscribers that is about probiotics and the brain called psychobiotics so it's really bringing the gut brain together there it's a very exciting landscape there your reviews as i said on apple Podcasts and spotify help me get the word on the street and if you're listening to this on youtube once again throw the video a like and subscribe to see when each new podcast is uploaded as always, I want to send a big shout out to the listeners who get this far and all the people listening all over the world. I'm always just just blown away by how many people are listening and I'm very, very grateful that you do so. But this show is all about you and it's about you helping you to find the freedom to feel inspired again. And once again, I hope this episode gets you one step closer. Until next week, don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And we'll be back with more Friend Inspired Radio before you know it next week. See you then. Bye. Oh my gosh, you made it to the end. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. 
We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.